Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to 12 Days Pod. I'm Kara Zelaya, and I'm joined here with my co-host, partner, fiancé, and my family stone, Dan Takaki. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the family stone. Welcome to the family stone. If you are new here, this is our holiday season podcast, one that is so seasonal that it is only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. That's right. We love Christmas, and we love Christmas movies. So we're here to talk about some of our favorites and some of our not-so-favorites for no reason other than to have a good time. So let's get into it. Dear Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, we are taking a look back at The Family Stone, starring, oh, I'll say Diane Keaton as the titular stone. It's true. The matriarch of the family along with Dermot Mulroney, Rachel McAdams, Luke Wilson, Sarah Jessica Parker, Claire Danes, and a bunch of others as the remaining Stones. Neither of us had seen it before, but we knew going into it that this was going to be a peak mid-2000s ensemble movie. So, with that in mind, Kara, what did you think this was going to be about? I don't know why I thought this, but I thought that it was going to be kind of like Knives Out, a bunch of rich assholes who were related and it would take place during Christmas. They all come home because they know that there's a rare jewel in their mansion. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And so they're being fake nice to each other all weekend, but they're trying to find the titular family stone. I've noticed this the past two episodes that we've done. Your prediction has been what the previous movie was about. What was the previous movie? Violent Night. Where oh, <laughs> Where there were a bunch of rich assholes coming home for the holidays trying to steal money from the family. Is that what I've been doing? I think it's been subtle, but I'm curious to see. Next week we're doing Frosty, so we'll see We'll see what you think what that one's about. I think that one is about, and then it just cuts to the audio of what happens in this movie. What did you think this movie was going to be about? So, not to brag, but I nailed this. Wow. I assumed that the family's last name was going to be Stone. Mm. I think it's a classic bringing your significant other home for the holidays and they have to meet all of the Stones. But something goes awry. Uh-oh. Also, I said one of the Stones was secretly sick or dying. Did you really? I really did. (laughs) And that it kind of makes the holidays a bummer. But then everyone remembers that all that matters is love. Well, thank you so much for listening. (laughs) So why don't you go ahead and tell us what actually happened in this movie in a lot of detail. I would be glad to. Perfect. So this movie is about Dermot Mulroney, a.k.a. Mr. Fancy Pants from New Girl. He's so hot! He's so hot, a.k.a. Everett Stone. That's his name in the movie. Not another alias that he has, (laughs) who takes his girlfriend, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, home for the holidays. These two live in New York City, and she plays this super uptight woman who doesn't fit the vibe of the rest of the family, who are kind of all pretty chill and happy-go-lucky, but they're, like, pretty cold to her immediately. They're extremely anxious. Well, yes, they are very anxious, but they're also like, oh, all my children are home, and, like... Luke Wilson is very chill. Yes, we love Luke Wilson. And uh, he's the only one who actually likes Sarah Jessica Parker. We'll get into it. Including, like, Dermot Mulroney's character. (laughs) Uh, Just to give a breakdown of the family, I think that's probably the easiest way to do this. The mom and the dad are played by Diane Keaton and Craig T. Nelson. He's 
a kindly college professor, and she's like the matriarch of the family. And also, as we'll find out, had breast cancer, and now it's come back pretty aggressively. That plays into the movie a lot. Dermot Mulroney is the eldest of five, and he's a businessman in New York City, and he's trying to get his mom to give him their grandmother's ring so he can propose to Sarah Jessica Parker. But literally everyone is against it. Pretty unanimously so. Yeah. I would also like to say immediately Christmas and immediately Christmas movie tropes, the the business business people from New York City come to cute little town, little New England town, <laughs> whatever wherever it may be. Yeah, it is just. It, I looked on the Wikipedia and it did just say the name of a town, comma New England. <laughs> <laughs> so they Great. they left it nice and vague for us. Love it. Luke Wilson is the quote like free spirit of the family, and he lives in California. He's the only one, as I mentioned, that's nice to Sarah Jessica Parker's character. He loves to smoke doobies. <laughs> Okay, so Dan and I have this thing. Dan was an RA. I'm lame. Anyway, we don't partake. We support the legalization of everything. And so in an effort to make fun of ourselves, every time we talk about marijuana use, we're always like... God, even that marijuana (laughs) use. (laughs) Go on. And we're always like, oh my God. They're smoking doobies. Smells like a doobie. (laughs) Anyway. Because we're so lame. (laughs) Anyway, that's our funny bit. The next character, Elizabeth Reeser. Reeser? I I don't know. Sure. She's the oldest daughter and she's pregnant and has a daughter. Her husband isn't in most of the movie, but he shows up on Christmas. We don't really spend that much time with her character. But the casting is impeccable because she does look just like Rachel McAdams. She really does. It's confusing. Yeah. The youngest son is played by an actor named Tyrone Giordano, who in the movie is both deaf and gay, and he's married to a man named Patrick, played by Brian White. The youngest of the five is Rachel McAdams, and she hates Sarah Jessica Parker with a burning passion. Sure. The character, not the actress, I assume. She's going to grad school in Massachusetts, and they're all home for the holidays in their New England home. I didn't realize that she was going to grad school in Massachusetts, but that checks out. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel McAdams is for sure going to like Tufts. Ooh, so close. It was UMass Amherst. Okay, same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty close. Also, she'll show up later, but Claire Danes plays Sarah Jessica Parker's sister, whom... The family loves immediately after meeting. Of course. So basically this movie starts out with Sarah Jessica Parker showing up with Everett for the holidays and she's super uptight and uncomfortable like we said. Rachel McAdams has also been railing on her before they get there so everyone's opinion of her is already kind of sour except Luke Wilson who is immediately smitten or befriends her. Yeah, I think that his whole thing is just sort of like, all right, what's your deal? Like that's the, that's the energy. Yeah, he's very much who he's playing in Legally Blonde. Like that type of a character. Yes. Diane Keaton especially doesn't like Sarah Jessica Parker because she doesn't think she's a good fit for her son. And because she's secretly dying, she's very short with them about about her and won't give him the ring that he's hoping for. Because she feels she won't be around to help him if something goes wrong. Classic. So after a series of bad events, Sarah Jessica Parker decides she's going to stay at the local inn instead of at their house because she doesn't feel welcome and she calls her sister to come and stay with her. Once she gets there, though, everyone's very warm to her and very cold to Sarah Jessica Parker still, culminating in a very uncomfortable Christmas dinner where Patrick and Thad are talking about adopting a baby and Sarah Jessica Parker makes like a big stink about why it's bad to wish a child would be gay. And everyone's like, whoa, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> and then we were like, oh, 2005, right, 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 right. Um, and she's like embarrassed and frustrated and she tries to leave, but she crashes Everett's car. She also isn't particularly uh, good about even just describing that wild, ridiculous point of view. She's like, well, you, you wouldn't want someone to be gay because, you know, and it's like this long pause and it's like because you don't like it. Like, uh, like yeah, her I whole mean, thing is like but- you don't want your child to be oppressed, which like, OK, but like everyone's vibing and having a good time and she's just sucks. Also, she had a weird moment where they were playing charades and the clue had the word black. And so she just pointed to (laughs) Patrick, Patrick, who is black. Mm -hmm. Just. Yeah, it was weird. Not good. Bad times. No good. That night, she and Luke Wilson end up going to the local bar and getting drunk where she finally relaxes. And then while they're there, they run into Rachel McAdams' ex, who is played by the guy who is Mark Brandanowitz in Parks and Rec. Yeah. He's just here. This was a big TV movie for us. <laughs> where we're like, it's that guy from Neil Girl. It's it's Brandanowitz from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Anyway, so they invite him over for Christmas the next morning because... Sarah Jessica Parker's like, she still likes you. There's also a moment earlier in this that is pretty funny where Diane Keaton is like asking Rachel McAdams. She's like, oh, why don't you invite Mark Brandanowitz over? And she goes, no, I don't really want to see him. And Sarah Jessica Parker's like, oh, who's that? Diane Keaton goes, oh, well, he popped Amy's cherry. (laughs) (laughs) Diane Keaton is such a vibe. Halfway through this movie, I was like, oh, man, this is how I'm going to be as a mother. I can just feel it. I'm yeah. like, well, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, am I wrong? <laughs> oh, man, what a weird movie. Meanwhile, Everett and Claire Danes are out looking for Sarah Jessica Parker. And while they're out, they start talking. And you can tell that Everett is absolutely in love with Claire Danes after meeting her mere hours ago in a way that he's definitely not with her sister, aka his current girlfriend. Yeah. Christmas morning, the children are told or figure out that Diane Keaton is sick again. And it's a pretty somber mood. And Diane Keaton eventually agrees to give Everett the ring and... In a weird moment, he asks Claire Danes to try it on. He's like, why don't you try this on? And everyone's like, why? (laughs) And it gets stuck on her finger. And so while Sarah Jessica Parker and Claire Danes are trying to get the ring off, they kind of have a moment where they realize, oh, he's going to try and propose to you with this ring. I don't think that's a good idea. And everyone is thinking that. Yeah, including Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, she also doesn't want to get engaged to him. Yeah, and so it's a very awkward Christmas morning. And then, in a very nice moment, Sarah Jessica Parker gives everyone a framed photo that she found on Everett's desk of Diane Keaton when she's pregnant with Rachel McAdams. And everyone's very touched by it. And everyone's like, you can see everyone's crying because, like, they also just found out that their mom is dying. Right. Sarah Jessica Parker does not know this. So she's like, what's happening? (laughs) But Diane Keaton is very kind and is like, no, you did good. Like, this is very touching and wonderful of you. Yeah. And then she promptly freaks out when Everett tries to seemingly potentially propose to her. Um, She's like, I can't sleep with you because I slept with Luke Wilson last night. (laughs) Your brother. And everyone's like, what? And Luke Wilson is like, no, we didn't. And then there's like, a, you know, a classic extended fight scene between Everett and Luke Wilson where they're like chasing each other around the house. Sure. 
And it turns out they didn't sleep together. She was just drunk and fell asleep in his bed and he slept on the floor. Obviously, Everett and Sarah Jessica Parker break up. And as Claire Danes is trying to leave, Everett chases down her bus and is like, no, you should stay. I want you to stay. Be with me. And she's like, no, this is weird. And she leaves. And then she tells the bus to stop and she gets off and she's like, what are you doing for New Year's? And so they get together. Luke Wilson and Sarah Jessica Parker get together and, you know... Rachel McAdams gets back with Mark Brandanowitz, who's just around for all of the events that are unfolding that morning. And then that kind of is how the movie ends. It cuts to a year later on Christmas, and all the couples are there. Elizabeth Reeser is back, and she's had her baby, and her husband's there. Thad and Patrick have a son, and Diane Keaton has died. But everyone (laughs) seems happy together. The end. Wow, 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 wow. You know. I have a lot. Pretty classic, pretty pretty predictable, easy movie. Yeah, I want to get into that. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so let's get into my notes. Yes. So this is now the 51st episode of 12 Days Pod, which mm-hmm. means that I have seen 51 films about Christmas at least Yes. in the last four calendar years. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about some tropes that I think are important. Let's have a little season four, let's talk about Christmas films as, as a genre. Okay. The what are you doing on New Year's Eve? Oh, that's a classic. It's a classic. They did it in The Holiday. Yes, that's where I was, I was trying to figure out where it's from. Yeah, yeah. The Holiday is where they... I feel like those movies maybe came out the same year. Mm, the Holiday came out November 29th of 2006. Okay, so like that's not... A long time. A long time. Nope. And also not a... It's too close where that wouldn't have been like a copy copied line from something either. Exactly. So that's weird. So if you haven't seen The Holiday or you haven't listened to our episode, here's a natural plug for you to go check out The Holiday from season one. One of my favorite Christmas movies. It is a really like, and, and it is kind of like the, this film where it's not, look, none of these are high art. Okay. Sure. But they fill that like that Christmas void Mm -hmm. in in a way that like the characters are young and they're like of our era. And so it feels it feels good. It's familiar. That whole like people in their early 30s figuring it out in these not incredible movies, but comforting nonetheless. That's a trope. I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It works well. Of course, the best version of that is When Harry Met Sally, obviously. We have, again, like I said at the top, the trope of New York City busybody comes into the small town and wouldn't you know, (laughs) does not fit in with the family. That one is, again, a holiday trope that we see here. I won't get into this in my fun facts, but we did look up a lot about... Dermot Mulroney. Yes. And Dan and I were like, oh, this is our son. He was born on Halloween. He was from Alexandria and like went to high school in Alexandria, played the cello. Dan his, played the cello. His parents are from the Midwest. Dan is from the Midwest. You know. He went to Northwestern and then his, I mean, he's your son. And then his dad was a professor at Villanova. Oh, yeah. Dan went to Villanova. <laughs> My son. It's your son. My large adult son. Your large adult older than you son. So that's some fun stuff. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about the tropes. Now let me tell you what I thought about this movie. Okay. I love Diane Keaton as a surprise to nobody at all. 
I love this cast. I think this cast is really good. With the exception of like, I didn't think Sarah Jessica Parker was particularly bringing anything new to this. No. That, and that's just like an actual critique where I was like, ah, she could have been replaced with uh, pretty much any actress, honestly. And that, I just feel that way. And I don't have like any beef with Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't dislike her. I no, just, but it was also like in the height of Sarah Jessica Parker's like stardom. stardom. I did appreciate that with the uh, younger son, he is deaf. And so they use sign language quite a bit in this movie, which mm-hmm. was, you know, lovely. I don't think I saw a lot. Of, that's more commonplace now. Yeah. But in the mid 2000s, we weren't seeing like... Yeah. And I mean, the actor himself is deaf too, so... Exactly. And that's also a level of like representation that we weren't seeing in the mid 2000s in film. Yeah. Um, again, it's way more common now, but I thought that was good and nice And there is an entire scene when they talk about how he's gay and he's married to a black man and he's deaf and Diane Keaton's character defending him to Sarah Jessica Parker's extreme faux pas is like, you're more normal than any of these fucking loony bin children I have. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought that that was lovely. It was really sweet. A lot of this is very cringe. Sure. Which is not my cup of tea. But I was, I just, I think that this is good. I think that this is a good, I think the holiday is a good comparison point. Mm -hmm. It's like, imagine if the holiday wasn't just a rom-com. But it was like a family com. Exactly. I really loved Luke Wilson's performance. I really loved the dad. Mm-hmm. I think these are fully... Fl- Brandanowitz being in this Hilarious. was so good. And he's so sweet in this. He's so awkward. I love him so much. He's just a... You know, in the era of, like, Travis Kelsey, like, I just love a giant oaf of a man just, like, showing up and being like, I'm real nice. Who's to say how much this will age in however many weeks we have until we post this. True. But those are my general notes. I mean, I I would change a couple of things. Like, I think they beat it over the head too much that Sarah Jessica Parker sucks. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, we got it. I think actually that this film is an appropriate length. I didn't think it was too long. Shocker, shocker, shocker. It's because they did not try and force stories for every single character in the story correct it was like there were like three stories going on instead of like each child getting their own story it was not the love actually shit Mm -hmm. which i appreciated yeah that was really good and i just i had a good time so how about you what did you think about this film you know as is my want i need to talk about rachel mcadams of course you know they tried to make her this like frumpy glasses wearing Weeby youngest sister who's in college, but she has never looked better. Yeah, she was true. in her prime here. So good looking, so attractive. It's 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 incredible. It's like when they try to make like Scarlett Johansson look ugly. And it's like, come on. Dan is obsessed with the movie About Time. Oh my god. It's one of the best movies ever. If you've not watched it and you need a good cry, About Time is it. I'm going to let you know right now that Dan was like, let's watch this lovely rom-com about time during the global pandemic in 2020. And if you have not seen this movie, spoiler alert, it's about dads. Yeah. It's one of those ones where they're like, oh, boy meets girl. Just kidding. Do you have dad shit? (laughs) Get ready to fucking cry. It's a great movie. Sure. (laughs) I love that movie. Trigger warning at the top. Dad shit. Yeah. Go on. Rachel McAdams, hot as hell. 
That's it. That's all I have to say on important, that. Important, yeah. I think it's important as we reflect on this movie. Did we learn any lessons here? <laughs> because I don't think so. None at all. I have some questions. Sure. Question number one. Why was the family okay with Luke Wilson being with Sarah Jessica Parker, but not Dermot Mulroney? Huh. You know? Like, the whole time I was like, okay, they're obviously setting up Luke Wilson and Sarah Jessica Parker, but she is the issue. <laughs> Not not Mr. Fancy Pants. And so why would it be okay for her to be with another one of your sons? Yeah. I mean, I guess the argument is like, you know, they balance each other. I guess, but I don't know. It was just a strange thing that was never really addressed. Like, they did warm up to Sarah Jessica Parker's character, right? Sure. And I guess maybe it was like, oh, they don't fit well together. Sure. But in the end, she's still the same person she was the two days before she got there. Correct. So, I don't know. That was a strange thing that was left unanswered. Yeah. My next question is, why did Claire Danes agree to be with Dermot after knowing him for eight hours and as he was actively with her sister? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those things where I'm like, I'm sure somebody watched this movie and was like, oh my God, this is what happened to me. And I'm like, what? What? (laughs) Okay. Well, like, there's a, God, there is a scene in the movie where they're walking around and she's telling him about this, like, small village in Alaska that she, like, traveled to. And she was like, yeah, like. Her job is that she helps give artists grants. Yeah. And he acts like she's in Doctors Without Borders. (laughs) Like, that's how he reacts. Like, what? You do brain surgery for free to dying children? It's like, dude. Ah. She, she was telling this story about how there was a small town in I think it might have yeah it was just a small just town a small in Alaska town. and there was like a man who was sad and they gave him a large tree and he carved a totem pole out of it and they went to the unveiling of it she was like and you couldn't help but cry and <laughs> Everett is like I gotta go see that. Man, I gotta see it. Like, I would love to go see that. Do you wanna, can I come with you to go see it? And then we're like, what are you talking about? He has a lot of Kendall Roy energy and it needs to be said. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. He's like, he's like, wow, I feel like, I feel like I could really like relate I, to that. Like, I could feel it. Like, yeah. I mean, it is kind of like his character in New Girl where he, <laughs> he's like, he's like kind of crunchy granola, but also it's like, dude, you're a billionaire. <laughs> Yeah, I love art. I love the artists. But don't be out here fucking acting like you are in Doctors Without Borders because you're not. It's not even, I don't even think she was no, acting like no. that. No, what I mean he is, was reacting to it in a way that was so fascinating. I mean, he was like manic pixie dream girling her. Yeah. She wasn't doing that to herself. She was like, yeah, this is just my, my job. Right. A correct, healthy way of viewing any career. He was like, oh my god, that's amazing. No way. (laughs) Do I have any other thoughts? I feel like I did, but like, I enjoyed watching this movie. It was a very mid-2000s movie. When you called it cringe, I'm like, it's cringe in a way that I would say the majority of rom-coms are cringe. I will also say, and this has been a conversation in like film Twitter and in people who love film, that the era of the rom-com has like slowly faded away. There was a time in the 2000s where it's like every other film was a rom-com and we just like Mm -hmm. don't have that anymore. Yeah. And honestly, bring them back. 
Yeah. Even films like The Family Stone. Like, uh, you're going to get uh, When Harry Met Sally, you know, once in a generation type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't mind this. No. This, was, this didn't hurt anyone, I don't think. You know, it's very similar to Dan in Real Life with Steve Carell. Unfamiliar. I know. It's a great movie. Great soundtrack. But it's very similar to that. Where, like, brother brings a girl home. Other brother falls in love with that girl. What? Is that a trope? That is a trope, for sure. Uncomfortable. But- those are kind of all my notes. I'm sure if I think of more, I'll, I'll pepper some in during your trivia and fun facts. But what do you got? Do you have any fun facts about this movie? Boy, howdy do I. Okay. Much to the confusion of me, mm-hmm. The Family Stone is not the film The Family Jewels. It's not. It's not. And I think that that's important trivia. So the writer and director of The Family Stone put the nine cast members playing the Stones through several weeks of rehearsal so that they could bond well enough off camera to convincingly portray a family. Oh, yeah. I will say they all do have really good chemistry. So that that works. Yeah. And this included a crash course in American Sign Language because eight of the nine characters would be called upon to utilize American Sign Language in the script to either communicate with or interpret for the character of that. Nice. While some critics and the cast members themselves pointed out that their American Sign Language use was subpar, it was actually a realistic portrayal of hearing a family's use of the language, which is often perfunctory at best. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. During production, Luke Wilson chipped a tooth, and he asked Diane Keaton to recommend a dentist. And when he called the number that she gave him, it was actually the number of a therapist. Oh. What a classic prank. What a classic mom prank. Did he get his tooth fixed? Did he go to the therapist? Unclear. Unclear. Who's to say? Great prank, Diane. <laughs> oh, yeah. You didn't talk about this. Who was the composer for this film? Oh, yeah. This was a Michael Giacchino joint. Yeah. Did he have any uh, Michael Giacchino named songs in here? Well, so he re-recorded the instrumental track of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas because in this film they watch Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, they sure do. A film that is not a Christmas movie. No, we that, would... that's the propaganda movie. That is the propaganda. That is the, like, the St. Louis tourism board was like, do you want to come to St. Louis? And we were all like, no. And they're like, well, look at our weird fucking... Cri-. Anyway, we have an entire episode about that as well. We're getting to the point or we've seen all of the like movies that, that are being watched during movies correct yeah so as it appeared in meet me in st louis have yourself a merry christmas michael duplicated every note and matched every tempo of the original orchestration which he then programmed simultaneously to enhance judy garland's vocals oh both tracks appear on the film's soundtrack album allowing the listener to appreciate how closely the new recording matches the vintage one nice yeah. Originally, Billy Crudup and Johnny Knoxville were expected to play the roles of Everett and Ben Stone, but they both dropped out. Mm, interesting. The part later went to Luke Wilson, and Aaron Eckhart was first cast in the role of Everett, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Mm. So lots of dropouts. Aaron Eckhart would have been good in this. He plays uh, Two-Face in Batman The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. He's got that old money face. Yeah, he does have an old money face. <laughs> but as we've discussed... Dermot Mulroney also has an old money face. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the first thing that... I mean, Dermot Mulroney, that's an old money name. You can't be poor with that face and that name. <laughs> it's true. It, like, society won't allow it. No. Something that was kind of cute is that before the family stone light their tree, they say, and then cried Max, let the wild rumpus start. 
which is a line from the children's book Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, I love that book. I love that book, too. Also a good movie. Yeah. Claire Danes has stated that the film's delicate balance of comedy and drama challenged the cast to walk a fine line between the two styles. Claire. (laughs) Come on. Come on, Claire. See, this is that shit that's like, again, you are not an emergency surgeon saving children's lives. Let's all calm down. (laughs) This is one of two movies starring Sarah Jessica Parker featuring the movie Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, what's the other one? Sex in the City, 2008. I was going to guess. Name another Sarah Jessica Parker movie. Sex in the City 2. (laughs) Lost in New York. Lost in New York. (laughs) My last fun fact is that this movie was released in the United States December 16th, 2005. Uh, Timely. Actually around the Christmas holidays. And was a commercial success with a worldwide gross of $92 million. Yeah, I feel like I probably would have gone to see this. Yeah, if we had an AMC pass by then. Yeah. (laughs) And that's it for my fun facts. La-da-da-da-da. Ooh-ah. All right. As we do every episode, it's time for our definitive ranking of this movie. As is tradition, we base our rankings around the 12 days of Christmas. So, out of 12 days of Christmas, what would you rate The Family Stone? I'm gonna give it six calling birds. Six calling birds? Yeah, right down the middle. (laughs) Right down the middle? Yeah. Okay, you know it's not calling birds? What is it? geese laying Oh, I don't want to give it geese. It's not good enough for geese. So let's give it five golden rings. All right. Five golden rings for the family stone. Oh. On the engagement rings. That's what I meant, definitely, the whole time. How about you? I'm going to give it six geese laying. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? It's a good thing that I always was going to give it five golden rings because we have been rating things too much the same recently. Oh, you think so? I think so. Hmm. Hmm. You know what they say about marriage? You mold into one. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't have much more to say about that, honestly. I think I said everything I needed to say already. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I could see myself potentially watching this again. I always can. But here's the thing. If you've asked me, what do I want to watch out of what we've watched so far this season? Mm -hmm. The answer is Jack Frost. (sighs) And that's my cross to bear. Or yours, honestly. It's not. I mean, we both know the movie that we're going to rewatch the most is going to be Hanukkah on Rye. Well, Hanukkah on Rye, can't wait. Thank you so much for listening. We're only 52 days away from Christmas. Wow! And we hope to spread as much Christmas spirit as possible. So please share this with your friends if they aren't already listening. Join us next week as we take a look back at another Rankin and Bass classic, Frosty the Snowman. Whoa, Burr, I bet it's going to be a little cold. It's going to be a really long episode. So long, because that film is so long. Yeah, a real a real Lord of the Rings. Listen, and if you're enjoying this podcast, why don't you go ahead and send it to your best friend? Be like, hey boo, it's me, your best friend. Listen to these kooky folks. And then tell them to leave a rating. On Apple Podcast. And as we say every episode, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs>